Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Look who it is. Look who the Mothman dragged in. Oh, shit. <laughs> Your two favorite hooligans. Back again with another mini-sode. Hey, it's me, Mo. <laughs> and, it's, and it's me, Jeremy. Oh, and we're talking about something that I you told me and I don't remember because this is your domain for this mini-sode. That's right. It you is. prepped this one. Yes. Today we will be talking about the Flatwoods Monster. Hell yeah. Have you heard about this? Are you insinuating that because I'm also flat? So like everyone who's flat just knows each other? Okay, what is... Is that what you're saying? How are you using the word flat? Is that derogatory? It's not derogatory. It's a fact of my anatomy. (laughs) Okay, I want to make sure you're talking about that. No, but that would have been a sick burn if I was was willing to stoop to that (laughs) low level. The Flatwoods Monster is also known as the Titless Monster. The Flatwoods Monster <laughs> is, I think, one of the important is a weird word to say when you're talking about cryptids because <laughs> it's innately unimportant. But well, hold on. If it, <laughs> <laughs> it's given us a job. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If you treat this like our show as like a college course almost in mm-hmm. in the paranormal, the unknown, and the unexplained. The Flatwoods Monster, I feel like, is required reading. Okay. It's like one of the earliest UFO-related monsters. It's kind of funny looking. If you see a drawing of it, it looks like it was the first monster ever. (laughs) It's wearing like a metal dress and it has big glowing eyes and it's a floating humanoid. Well, now I just feel kind of ashamed because I've never like looked into the Flatwoods Monster. Google the Flatwoods Monster. See what this guy looks like. Do you see the images? Yeah. It looks kind of like an alien. Yeah. A little bit. You know what it looks like? It looks like 60s aesthetic, kind of like Jetsons, like what they thought a housemaid would look like, like a robotic one. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it looks like, like a made made robot from the future who went crazy and killed the family. For sure. It's definitely a girl. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I'm getting. But a girl in the sense of like how a child would differentiate in a personal drawing, what was a girl and what was a boy. It's got a dress on and like big hair, <laughs> <laughs> big hair. So just to get into it, the Flatwoods Monster, otherwise known as the Braxton County Monster, the Green Monster, Braxy, or the Phantom of Flatwoods, it is considered a staple figure in fringe American folklore. The Flatwoods Monster is another quintessential cryptid born out of the early flying saucer craze that captivated post-war America. As the country settled into the atomic age, people turned their eyes to the sky, which was now buzzing with jet planes, new experimental aircraft, and mysterious saucers folks were calling UFOs. What a time to be alive this was. Absolutely. Like, World War II, we just dropped a bomb, and... All of a sudden, the suffragette movement was like, never mind, we want to be housewives. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, I think weed was now a thing. Yeah. Jazz cigarettes. Oh, yeah. And orgies. And orgies. And acid. Was slowly creeping in on a conservative America. Yeah. And disco. Well, disco was like, that's fucking 70s and 80s. 
Hell yeah. Oh, okay, well, yeah. So not disco, but disco's, <laughs> disco's later. Hell yeah, disco in 30 years. <laughs> Guys, this is going to be a big thing. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, just wait. So starting with the pilot Kenneth Arnold's benchmark sighting of several unidentifiable aircraft making impossible maneuvers over Mount Rainier in 1947, the press and the entertainment industry would aid in popularizing and mythologizing the idea that aliens were visiting Earth by way of flying saucers. Man, that's just a fact. That's just a fact, baby. And we talk about Kenneth Arnold's first UFO sighting in, I think, several previous episodes. We have an episode that's just about UFOs, and I think that's where we go into detail. But just a quick thing, what's interesting about that is the flying saucers, as you see them in old movies, the flying discs, were not what Kenneth Arnold saw. He described crescent-shaped aircraft that he couldn't understand what the fuck they were. They were skipping through the sky in a motion that was like if you were to skip a saucer, you know, like over in water or something. Mm -hmm. Like they were moving like a saucer over. Really, you can't even picture, like picture an aircraft moving that way, like it's skipping in the air. It doesn't make sense. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of trippy. So that kind of kicked off this new thing of like, oh, it was a flying saucer. And then everybody started conveniently seeing flying saucers, mm-hmm. which is like weird mass hysteria, thought virus kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's either that or it's like, hey, this is brought to people's attention all of a sudden to where they weren't looking at the sky before, but now they are and they're noticing these things. That's a huge thing, too. Whether or not they were alien aircraft or not, this is the atomic age. Again, like we're inventing all new kinds of jets and stuff, like all, mm-hmm. all kinds of weird shits being experimented in the sky. But also, if you think about it, if you want to open your mind up, after the you know the nukes just dropped, we're doing all kinds of crazy advanced technology stuff for the first time. If there were like extraterrestrial spectators from somewhere else, mm-hmm. this would probably be the time when they'd be like, we got to keep tabs on these people. They're doing weird shit over there. Yeah. We should watch how they progress. So anyways, into the 50s and 60s, countless eyewitnesses, like we just said, across the US and the world reported seeing UFOs in the sky. And in rare cases, people claim to see or directly encounter entities believed to be the occupants of a UFO. These entities varied in description from absurd monsters and little green men to beings near identical to the average human. The Flatwoods monster was something in between, a towering alien creature with a faintly humanoid form. So on September 12th, 1952, A group of boys were playing on a field next to the Flatwoods Elementary School in the town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, which is in Braxton County. Mm -hmm. So some of our key players are brothers Edward and Fred May and their friends Tommy Heyer, Ronnie Shaver, and Neil Nunley. At approximately 7.15 p.m., they saw a bright light in the sky. The boys looked up to see what they described as a fireball soaring overhead, arcing across the sky and crashing onto a distant hilltop. The group ran over to Edward and Fred's house to tell their mother Kathleen May about the fireball, and the boys were keen on venturing out to the hilltop and looking for the crash site. So Kathleen joined them, both out of concern for the children's safety, I can assume, and probably genuine interest in 
what the fuck was going on. Right. Naturally. Of course. <laughs> I would totally do that. I would not be like, that's unsafe. I'd be like, okay, I'll go with you, but I want to see what's going on. Right. Yeah. Like, let's all die together. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about you. I just need to satiate yes. this curiosity. Yeah. I'll put all of our lives at risk as the fucking chaperone. <laughs> Kathleen brought the family dog, Richie, with them and also enlisted the help of neighbor and National Guardsman Eugene Lemon. Also, what, what a, a fucking, fucking name, name. <laughs> Eugene Lemon. His parents knew. I feel like he cannot kiss. Good. <laughs> That's a guy that does not do well with the ladies. Eugene Lemon. Yeah, I feel like it's either that or total suave, like true. Could be a total James long. Bond. Like I picture like a Jimmy Stewart. Like oh, 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 oh yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> Very hesitant and tall and gawky. Oh, like he wants to be in the army, but he's in the National Guard, and like he's trying to prove himself. I'm Eugene Lemon. Eugene Lemon. <laughs> Complete. We made all that up. He probably was a totally normal guy. The kids directed the group to the hilltop where they saw the fireball land, which resided somewhere on the property of farmer G. Bailey Fisher. So this fireball yeah. was a meteor. Well, hey, don't... Wink. Hey, wink. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. As they neared the top of the hill, they experienced a strange metallic stench that caused their nostrils to burn and irritated their eyes. Kathleen later mentioned in a later report that as they neared the crash site, a wet fog began to roll in, shrouding the hilltop in a misty haze. When they reached the hill's crest, the group witnessed a pulsing red light illuminate in front of them, similar to the color of the fireball that the boys had seen. The pulsing light appeared to be coming from a smoldering ball of flame that sat in a shallow crater. And this was only according to one account I could find. Okay. For the most part, they were all on the same page with what they saw, but only one of them went into detail and said that they saw a like flaming something in the ground. Mm -hmm. Didn't mention how big it was. But so the group saw a strange silhouette shift through the flashing red fog. Eugene Lemon aimed his flashlight in its direction <laughs> and for a brief moment revealed a startling figure whose baffling appearance would be seared into each of their memories indefinitely, <gasps> just as it remains to this day in American pop culture. Wow. I think it's like a fun idea that what if this is some futuristic maid type thing, UFO landed, this little bitch got like jutsed out and left. This little bitch. This little maid bitch. <laughs> and they just like see her and they're like, holy fuck. Oh my God. But she like doesn't know what to do. You know, she's just like a little robot. Right. Her owners are gone. So she just wanders around trying not to get caught. And people occasionally see her and they're like, ha, ha, what? Hey. Robot dress. <laughs> Who's that pretty lady? Who's that pretty lady with big hair? Ew. And no legs. <laughs> <laughs> no legs. Just how I like them. <laughs> they have legs that go on for nowhere. <laughs> um, so the monster looks... Honestly, like just uh, like we said before, very ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll describe what it looked like. It was roughly, as they described it, roughly 10 feet tall. It had a head shaped like a spade. It wore a dark metal dress, kind of like a dark green color. Mm -hmm. Its hands were twisted and clawed. It had two large eyes that glowed orange. Lemon, who aimed the flashlight at it, described a tall, quote, man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. Hmm. Kathleen May's report mentions the clothing-like folds along its green body, which is why it's interpreted as a dress. Okay. So she noticed some folds. When they saw the monster, it made a hissing noise and glided toward the group, prompting Eugene Lemon to scream and drop his flashlight. <laughs> and then that's when everybody ran away. 
So they see just for a brief second, they all share this like horrifying sight, this reveal of like the weirdest thing they've ever seen eerily float at them. Mm -hmm. So later that night, members of the excursion party experienced unusual health issues, such as throat irritation, nausea, and vomiting. Technically, the one who vomited was Eugene Levin. Oh my God. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. He, He was so terrified by what he had seen that according to a local who met with the group later that night, he was throwing up at the police station when sharing his account. <laughs> He's sharing his account to the sheriff. Wow. Poor Eugene. I kind of love him. However, as noted in a related article on Braxton, West Virginia's website, the symptoms experienced by the group, which is throat and eye irritation, nausea, vomiting, are all common symptoms of exposure to mustard gas. Whoa. Okay. There wasn't gas that came out of her though, right? Or was there? Well, there was that smoke, like fog that was around them. It was oh, like flashing red. I see. Yeah. And after Eugene Lemon and Kathleen May provided their own reports of the incident to the sheriff's office, local authorities promptly drove up to the site of the encounter and found nothing. However, the following day, an investigative journalist with the local newspaper announced that they had also explored the hilltop area and found large skid marks, as they called them, as well as a, quote, Odd gummy deposits on the ground. Yeah, don't be alarmed. My dog was just over there. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Vomit wasn't the only secretion that Eugene (laughs) (laughs) spilled in you. (laughs) What I think is interesting, though, is I think I'll go into it a little bit later in my notes, but it seems that on their way to the sheriff's office, they probably told everybody in town what had happened, or the boys did at least. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like pissing and shitting at the same time and vomiting. <laughs> Eugene was just splooging and vomiting and screaming. And then... <laughs> they're like, yeah, so actually like this thing like came out of the smoke and whatever. And Eugene is just like projectile <laughs> vomiting started... all around them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Actually, those skid marks were Eugene. <laughs> those skid marks were made, yeah. He deposited the gummy and then, <laughs> and then he skidded. <laughs> So a lot of people rushed that site before the sheriff's deputies could get there. Ah. So like any evidence was probably destroyed regardless. Yeah. They were talking about how people even drove a truck through there to see what they what they had seen. So Whoa. okay. Which were probably what the skid marks were. But whatever was there, the authorities got there way too late. I also want to add a second sighting, potentially, that had happened mm-hmm. on September 13th, the next day. Another incident was reported about 20 miles south of Flatwoods near the community of Strange Creek, which is like the perfect name, obviously. Strange Creek. Yeah, right. Flatwoods and Strange Creek. Right. It feels yeah. like a TV show. Yeah, it feels like a, like a shitty like CW show. Yeah. <laughs> so this is also is technically still in Braxton County, West Virginia. That night, George and Edith Snitowski were driving down Route 4 with their 18-month-old son in the back seat. The family's car suddenly broke down, and George began tinkering with the vehicle. It found little success, was trying to figure out why the car just stopped out of nowhere. Alone on a deserted rural road, the couple began discussing their options when a pungent, sulfurous odor quickly overtook the air around them. So foul that it made their... (laughs) So foul that it made their toddler begin to cry. (laughs) Which is a weird... I wrote that. It feels weird to read. Yeah, well, I mean, like, anything can make a... Toddler cry. If you give them a cupcake, they might cry. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Soon after, a disorienting bright light illuminated the dark road in front of them. 
In the light, they saw a man-shaped creature estimated to be about 10 feet tall or more floating above the road directly in front of the car. Though vaguely similar to descriptions of the Flatwood Monster, this creature did not have the distinguishing spade-shaped hood. Rather, it had a reptilian head and face that was described as bony. Huh, okay. The creature floated over the car, dragging a clawed lizard-like hand across the hood of their car before drifting off into the adjacent forest. As soon as the creature cleared the car, as soon as it completed its little eerie crossing over the vehicle, George was immediately able to start the car engine and continue driving. So it was like just Mm. when it appeared to them, it messed with the car. Interesting. I guess like a reptile head could look like a spade a little bit, like if it's like looking up or something. It could, or like, okay, if you're talking about the monster, as improbable as it is, maybe that was a helmet it was wearing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Big glowing eyes. That's true. And a weird spade shape. It could be wearing like a weird... Their version of like an astronaut helmet. I like the way you think. (laughs) Illogical and quick. (laughs) This account didn't make it into print until three years later in 1955 when the Snitowski's story was picked up in an issue of Mail Magazine. Oh my God. Like mail as in M-A-L-E? Yes. (laughs) The magazine for men. Oh my God. Tales of monsters and women who can't defend themselves. (laughs) Please, we have so many damsels. Where are the men? (laughs) (laughs) I think I looked up covers of this. It had like an incredible cover. I'm just imagining like half naked men and there's like bulges in there. Yeah, these covers are absolutely hilarious. So many covers where there are shirtless men (laughs) in like a survival situation (laughs) defending themselves against an ambush of small creatures. Huh. Like there's one where a man is on a life raft and he's like trying to rip off a bunch of monkeys off of him. There's one where there's like a bunch of crabs he's trying to rip off of him. There's one where there's a snake wrapped or no, an octopus wrapped around him and a screaming woman. It's just incredible. More monkeys. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing these. Yeah, turtles. On like Reddit or something. But yeah, they're just like really bizarre. And they're like kind of homoerotic a little bit. Oh, incredibly. Incredibly homoerotic. Wow, these are... I kind of want these like printed off and I want them... I know, right? ...hung up in my room. All stupid looking. It's always like a woman being strangled by a snake and the man's like <laughs> watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's one with like otters or like ferrets that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I saw that one too he's just like strangling a bunch of otters (laughs) yeah that's from man's life which is a different they've never here's the thing no one's ever known how to like market towards men because like you don't have to yeah especially back in the day like everything was innately marketed towards men i think of companies that try to like man wash if that's a term like this is just for men Mm -hmm. and it's balls (laughs) dirt rust dicks yeah. Blood. Like men's deodorant. It's always like steel. <laughs> you know, oak. It's not, you know, and then women's it's like lavender sunset. And men it's like door handle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's never like it can't be anything that's flowy or like it elicits an image that isn't just like a hard metal bolt wood knife gun axe. <laughs> This is my prediction. Those kind of companies and those kind of products are going to die in like 20 years, within 20 to 30 years. Because like Gen Z. Or just conform. Yeah. Are just like not about gender norms. Millennials borderline are not about gender norms. Or just masculinity in that that way. 
Yes. Where it's yeah. like, we're not, there's no need to compensate really anymore, I think, socially. I agree. Like, no one's going to know the name of the deodorant you're wearing, you know? Who's going to know if it smells good or not? I'm just tired right. of smelling like wood all the time. Like, and it's not even, it's not even wood. It smells like my grandfather's bathroom. Like, it just smells strong <laughs> yeah. and unfuckable. That's what it smells like. <laughs> That's the thing that I've noticed too is like, whenever I try and look for perfumes, it all just smells like my grandmother. Yeah. And it's like uncanny. It's all rose. Like they all just kind of smell like rose. And that, that's definitely like a grandma smell. Roses don't smell that good. They don't. I always thought that they just they look pretty, but they smell like almost nothing. But also, this isn't like a smellable flower. Yeah, it's like know? almost offensive. Like whenever I see someone get like after a show or like on TV, when someone's giving like a bouquet of roses and they they smell it, it's always like, <laughs> what are you what are you smelling? It's ro- it's a rose. It mostly just smells like a plant, I guess. It smells like the room it's in. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so back to the story that appeared in, in Mail Magazine. A skeptical observer might argue that this story could be a fake because it wasn't made public until years later, which I do think is kind of fishy. Any story that's like, oh, it happened the next day and we learned about it 10 years ago. I'm always like, this was probably big news. The person would have seen it in the paper. They're in the same county. We would have heard about this earlier. Still a very weird story. Also, this one specifically, I think, could be a misidentified bird because West Virginia has a ton of big nocturnal birds. Yeah, we talked about that in like the Mothman episode Yeah, as well, like the crane or whatever. Yeah, Sandhill Crane, which I don't know if we're native to the area. They may have been, but there's a ton of different owls and this could have totally been an owl. You know what I mean? Like the reptilian claw they saw on the, that's an owl's, any bird, but an owl's feet are like fucking, they look like lizard hands. Or well then explain the electronics, smart owls guy. Owls do that all the time. <laughs> My family used to always say there would be, you know, electrical disturbances. And, you know, my tenure watching Ghost Hunters says the same. When ghosts are around, there are electrical disturbances. So... This is true. It's, it has to be paranormal or that ghost is haunted. Or that, not that ghost, the owl. The owl's haunted. The ghost is haunted. <laughs> the mystery of the haunted ghost. <laughs> or a shitty car. We don't... I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing. I feel like they... If you're a native of West Virginia, though, you probably would be able to discern that. But if that fog rolled in, was did, did a fog roll in for this or was it just the stench? I feel like you're being very optimistic about people noticing their surroundings. Like, do you know the native birds in your area? Well, OK, even more so to that point, though, if they didn't know the native birds in their area, then they would easily misidentify it. You just reprove my point, motherfucker. <laughs> birds can be reptilian. Like, per- dude, birds can be fucking scary looking. Yeah, they can be ugly. A barn owl, which we'll talk about later, which is also what they think Mothman might have been. You know, mm. skeptics. I mean, the theories for Mothman are all, all over the place. And I love Mothman too much to ever question it too closely. <laughs> I met someone with a Mothman tattoo yesterday. I would totally get a Mothman tattoo. I 100%. Well, we planned on it. We're getting one together jointly. Okay. Yeah. We got to do that someday still. But also interesting though, that this is like another similar West Virginia monster within a decade of each other. Well, I think less than, you know, a flying glowing eyed monster. Right. With claws and electrical disturbances. Electrical disturbances. Absolutely. Absolutely. That Mothman was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So I want to explore a little bit more about the debunkment. Is that a thing? I don't think so at all. <laughs> debunkment. Let's debunkify this. 
most skeptics and critics believe that the Flatwoods monster can be dismissed as a large bird misinterpreted as something unearthly due to poor light conditions and possible environmental confusion because there's a lot of fog and whatever. So the agreed upon culprit is a barn owl. In an interview with (laughs) Snopes.com, paranormal investigator and senior research fellow for the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, Joe Nickel, strongly believes the monster could be a large barn owl. This would account for the glowing eyes, the clawed hands, and the high-pitched hiss, you know, sound they heard. Okay, what about the spade head and the metal dress? Oh, we're going to... Well, metal dress, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) This was a metal, but I don't know. So, (laughs) Nickel theorizes that the light the boys had seen was a falling meteor. And that the group had stumbled upon a territorial female barn owl protecting its chicks. So think about it. It could have been on like a tree, a weird looking tree. And they saw that as the body. Like they only Mm. saw it for a split second and there was fog in the area and there was fire nearby and they just had a flashlight. Yeah. This is the 50s in a rural town. So there's no light pollution. It just feels real creative for some kids in the 50s. They were real dumb back then. Okay. So does the fucking (laughs) floating spade head metal dress. (laughs) An owl. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's real creative. Oh, I thought you meant the the owl was creative. No, it's so creative that how could they have made that up? That's true. I mean, I agree. I mean, also the adults saw it too. Everybody mistook it for the same mistaken thing, which is interesting. So around that time, a similar meteor was spotted in the sky across three nearby states. So it very well could, that could have been a meteor. According to Nickel, the meteor likely hadn't landed on the nearby hilltop, but merely gave the appearance of doing so due to its bright light and disappearance behind the hill. This is a common illusion with meteors. When they land over a horizon line, it looks like they're landing closer than they are. When they rally, they Mm -hmm. keep on going. Because the earth is curved or something? I don't know. (laughs) The jury's still out on whether or not the earth is curved. (laughs) So the sheer brilliance of a meteor's light can make them appear to be flying much closer as well than they actually are. So while they thought it was flying just overhead, it could have been super high up in the sky still. Yeah. As for the noxious mist, Nicola attributes the scent to a putrid smelling grass that's native to that region. And the mist was just regular fog that forms around that elevation under the right conditions. Additionally, he claims their troubling health symptoms as psychosomatic brought on by their anxiety and panic. Which seems like there are a lot of factors that have to correlate in order to make this experience happen. What if it was just that experience that happened? What if it was just a Jetson metal lady? Yeah, come on, guys. Can't we just agree that it was just a futuristic metal maid? Yeah. Can we stop this crazy shit about it being a native <laughs> species bird? So first of all, <laughs> they're saying that the meteor was just a meteor and it was actually far away. And there was this native plant only in that area that ripens only at that time. And there was just too much fog <laughs> in the area and there was limited light source and they were panicking. And it was a barn owl, a barn owl that was hissing, and it also was protecting its young. Potentially. And it was also menacingly perched in a specific way in order for it to look scary and like a metal dress. Okay, but to be fair, that is a lot more bullet points than to when you're defending the metal dress lady. All you can say there is, she was wearing a metal dress and she was real. Look, do we know aliens? No, they could be anything. So true. They could be owls, for all we know. They could be owls. What if, could you imagine 
Can you imagine the fuckery of that? They're like, I'm certain this is a barn owl. And it's like, well, you're not wrong, but it's an alien owl. (laughs) Yeah. This whole time we had no idea. The gliding motion. This kind of sells it for me a little bit. The gliding motion and the large stature of the monster vaguely resembles a barn owl with wings fully spread, swooping down to scare off predators. Because they they say it glided towards them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's an owl that a bird flying with its wings looks big and confusing. And when Eugene Lemon shined the flashlight at it, the light would have caused the bird's eyes to reflect red or green. Mm -hmm. Not to mention barn owls have heart-shaped faces that look more person-like than regular owls. Look up an image. They do have creepy faces that look kind of ambiguous and not like normal owls. Okay. Um, And it's it's a spade shape. Like an upside down spade, though. Yeah. It's a weird looking owl, right? Like if you shine a flashlight on that in a dark forest, that would probably freak you out. Yeah, no, that would that would freak me out. It has like a, this one has a long neck. Do you see the ones where they're like extending their necks? Yeah. Because that looks creepy as fuck. The body, which all witnesses gave vague descriptions of, was not a body at all, according to Nickel. He theorizes that the owl had been perched on a branch, giving the impression that it was a face on a tall body. Most importantly, barn owls have pale faces framed, like I said, in a heart-shaped pattern or an upside-down spade. (sighs) Nickel also notes that since barn owls are nocturnal and stealthy, it's possible no one in the group had ever seen one up close in direct light, despite being locals. Okay. And the barn owl's unique hissing screech is distinctive and haunting. In his interview with Snopes, Joe Nickel closes, I like this, by emphasizing that he does not believe the sighting to be a hoax and that the witnesses truly did see something real that terrified them. Okay. So he's always he's always emphasizes like, you know, respect the the uh the witnesses. I mean, regardless that was traumatizing for them. Yeah, I mean, it might as well have been real to them. It was, you know, made Eugene Lemon throw up. So that's I've <laughs> yeah. never been that scared that I threw up. Right. So it's relevant to note that at the time of the sighting, local law enforcement, like I said earlier, was already on patrol responding to several calls regarding a downed airplane. Okay. This could mean that the meteor was actually a plane or the plane was misidentified as a meteor or vice versa. But the commotion around the alleged plane crash, meteor, and monster sighting led to droves of locals exploring the hilltop and surrounding the property where the monster had been seen, leading authorities to rule that any relevant evidence to the Flatwoods monster sighting had been destroyed by curious locals. Mm. So in closing, personally, I lean more towards Nichols' hypothesis. I don't want to. Shocker. 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 (laughs) Lame idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You always want to go on the path of science, and I just find it disappointing. Oh, how the tables have turned. Remember when we started this podcast and, like, we were the exact opposite? (laughs) We were. Talking about it more has only made me more of a believer and you more of a skeptic. (laughs) There's a point somewhere midway through the podcast where we were in the same mindset. I know. (laughs) Yep. And that was the best. That was the best part. That was the best point. Now we have been growing farther apart in, in our ideology. But I'm going to be the nerd and take the science lane. It reminds me of, do you remember that video where it's like, I know more about American Girl dolls than you do, idiot. It's like that. Yeah. It's like that. Oh, fine. It was an owl. Cool. Whatever, loser. You think an owl can do all that? Okay. It's aliens. But like all great paranormal legends um, and tales of high strangeness, it doesn't fully wrap it all up in a nice bow. If -hmm. we take the witness's description at face value, a territorial owl only answers so much. Whichever side you take, real or fake, you have to partake in some mental gymnastics to make it work. 
both sides don't totally make sense, which yeah. is just really fucking weird. All of the witnesses' recollections of the monster's appearance match pretty identically, which is always a good sign when you're looking at stuff like this, if their stories mm-hmm. are consistent with each other. And I find it hard to believe that out of roughly seven or so key witnesses, no one doubted the agreed upon consensus that they saw a 10 foot tall alien floating around in a metal dress. Mm-hmm. You know, not a single person saw feathers or a beak or defined wings. That's yeah. weird, right? Like that's... That is weird. You know, not one of them. But on the other hand, that description is so goofy and improbable that if a giant floating monster was lurking out in the West Virginia wilderness, how did no one else see it after them? There was that one couple, but I mean like... So it hasn't been seen since by anyone else. It hasn't. It's not like a reoccurring thing. People don't see it anymore. It was just this one story. The one off. There may be more stories, but no mainstream ones. No ones that are like highly regarded or or whatever. So it's kind of like the frog man, the Loveland frog. Right. Right. Yeah. People don't... That was like a weird little one-time thing. Remember, they thought that might have been an iguana on its hind legs. Yeah. Well, it was like a couple times. They had like a few sightings. Yeah. Oh, they but did. But they were yeah. just really far apart. That one's really weird with the fucking, the, the wand, the cop that's how the, the frog with the wand. Yeah. That, yeah. What, like, that makes no yeah. sense at all. That's a real weird one. <laughs> that one I can't help you. I, like, I can't be on the side yeah, of... Yeah, that uh, one I put my hands up and I go, I don't know what the fuck that was. That was... <laughs> but yeah, so history shows us that humans are Dumb. pretty shit at accurately observing the most mundane occurrences, let alone... Ones that cause you to be in a panic. Ooh, this reminds me of a study that I saw recently, and I feel like it kind of explains this pretty well. The study was people were given a color card, like a color swatch, like a paint swatch kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And they were given like a minute or two to look at it and remember what color it was. And afterwards, half of the people who looked at the card were asked to describe the color characteristics, whatever, like whatever they could say to like explain what this color was. And then they tested all of them to see who could then correctly identify the color. So they, you know, had that color swatch and they added maybe like four or five others. The group who had described the color only got it right like 30% of the time. And the group who did not describe it got it correct like 75% of the time. Mm. So... It's kind of this weird, interesting thing where if you're describing something, you actually have a worse recollection of it. Weird. So I, I feel like it's kind of like a similar thing. Like these people had to describe it so much. So because they had to like describe it so much, they almost have like a worse recollection of the actual events. Part of that might be because you're extrapolating. Because every time you remember mm-hmm. something, you're then remembering the last time you remembered it. And then you could be adding things. It's like a dream. Mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this recently, but like when you have a dream and you retell the dream, you're definitely adding details that weren't there because you're, mm-hmm. dreams are so full of holes. Like dreams are so like weird and cerebral. And when you wake up, you have to articulate it. You have to put it into words. And so you start adding stuff that wasn't there, but it's because you have to bridge the gaps that your brain didn't give you so you could explain it to other people. And so right. like, I feel like when you see something so weird, you start letting your feelings take over and like help you explain what you saw. So you go like, I saw this tall monster looking thing. And then you go like, it was floating. Oh, it had big eyes. Yeah, the eyes were glowing for sure. And it was like mm. a weird shaped head. Oh, I think it must have been a dress it was wearing. And then all of a sudden you create this weird, insane thing. Mm-hmm. Because eyewitness testimony, like I know in court proceedings now, is like considered less and less damning now. Because eyewitness yeah. testimony is so often wrong. 
Like if you mm-hmm. have seven people watch a red Mustang drive by, one of them is going to say they saw like a blue pickup truck. It's never going to be great. But if I had to put my money on it, I would probably say that they got spooked by a barn owl. <laughs> Life is weird and the human eye can tell as many lies as the brain. And while I believe the world is full of, you know, wonders and mysteries, sometimes it's just an owl. Yeah, as much as I want to believe there's this weird metal Jetson lady hanging around the woods and strange creek, I feel like out of all of the mysteries we have discussed, this one is probably one of the more unlikely ones. Yeah, I I would agree. I think it is, if when you see like artists do like, you know, drawings of, of cryptids, You'll always see the Flatwoods monster. Like, for I guarantee you, if you're listening to this from here on out, whenever you see images of cutesy little cryptid monsters, whatever, like Etsy artists always do stuff like that, mm-hmm. you will see little Flatwood monsters all the time because it's so iconic and so unique looking. I see them everywhere whenever I see paranormal like cartoons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's right up there with Mothman and Bigfoot. That's interesting. Again, a huge, a huge part, weirdly enough of the zeitgeist, the paranormal zeitgeist. Yeah. That's why I thought it was important to talk about as part of the whole mural that we're creating each episode with this, <laughs> you know, Flatwoods Monster. the spooks and the monsters. Yeah, that was interesting to learn about. West Virginia is the motherland of monsters. That's what I learned from this too. Yeah. A lot of weird shit happening out in West Virginia. West Virginia for monsters and cryptids and then I think Massachusetts or Connecticut for hauntings. Yeah, which, I mean, okay, it makes sense because New England has is like the oldest part of the settled country, right? Mm. And then like West Virginia is like the most wild. Mm-hmm. And also a ton of folk traditions out there in the South. A lot of superstition too, right? Like, right, yeah. Lots of running water. Lots of running water. <laughs> and again, I mean, this was not far from, you know, relatively speaking, this was not far from Point Pleasant where Mothman was sighted. It's like a two-hour right. drive. What if they're the same? Hey, who knows? Our boy is back. Another thing that was cited, Thunderbirds is another like cryptid thing you'll hear. They are massive flying creatures seemingly borrowed from Native American mythology. And in Native American beliefs, Thunderbirds are symbols of power, capable of creating thunder by clapping their wings and cause lightning by flashing their eyes. Tribes across North America shared similar legends. And for decades, unexplainably large and unnatural birds have been sighted over West Virginia. Oddly enough, in Braxton County... A boy was reportedly carried away by what was called a monster bald eagle. The eight-year-old, this happened in, I want to say it was like 1912. An eight-year-old boy was playing in a field when his father and brother watched the largest bird they'd ever seen snatch him up and carry him off. The boy put up enough of a struggle that the Thunderbird dropped him and he was seen flying away into the mountains. And this would have taken place in a town 40 minutes north of Flatwoods. Hmm. Okay. So the area has a ton of... Weird birds. Weird shit. Weird prehistoric birds snatching kids up. I guess too, I, I read this, maybe it was on the Braxton County site that I was reading, but I guess there was like the TNT area that where Mothman is, there was a mm-hmm. similar site near Braxton. Of a kid being taken? No, like remember the TNT area with, with Mothman? Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That weird, yeah. like weird military testing ground of full toxic yeah. shit that I thought Mothman lived at. I guess there was like something similar near Braxton apparently. Not sure if that's true. I read that in two different places, but it didn't didn't feel very concise. But I know there's military bases in West Virginia for sure. Mm-hmm. 
So I wonder if it could, who knows, it could be like a weird result of Radiation, like... Radiation, yeah. Toxic waste or something. Something weird. Huh. Something fun. Interesting. Yeah. So that's it. That's the Flatwoods Monster. Now you know a cool. little piece of history about the paranormal. Yay. Thanks, Jeremy. You're welcome. Now, take us away, Mo. All right. If you guys enjoyed listening to this episode, please let us know on iTunes. And you can also review us now on Spotify. It helps get the word out and lets other people find the show. Please let us know what you thought. If you have episode ideas or if you just want to give us general feedback or just say hi, you can email us at accordingtoanidiot at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date on our episodes when new releases are coming out or our general artwork by following our Instagram at according to an idiot or our Facebook also at according to an idiot or you can stay up to date on our Twitter at idiots accord and you can follow our Patreon we have early access episodes ad free listening lots of extras we're doing a creepypasta series now so if any of that interests you be sure to go over there and check it out yeah I think that's it what they said I agree <laughs> boy thank you for listening As always, watch the skies, and I will see you in time. Love you guys. Bye.